everybody. Welcome to the Value Line Observer with the Value Guys. I'm Val Hughes. And that would make me Vern Value. And we are 25-year Wall Street veterans who have taken on secret identities in order to freely provide our candid views on a handful of stocks out of each week's Value Line Investment Survey. You've seen our faces on TV and you've seen us quoted in the news, but our bosses would never allow our unvarnished views on the air, so we disguise our voices so they'll never know. This week, we look at the December 12, 2008 edition of the Value Line Investment Survey. But first, a couple caveats, and this is important, ladies and gentlemen. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Uh, we are professional analysts during the week, but it's after work. We're kicked back. We're looking through Value Line. We're not professional so entertainers. It's important you. to know we may be completely uninformed uh, about the stocks we're talking about. Uh, see all the caveats and pictures of ourselves at www.thevalueguys.com. And I'm going to be back at the back half of the show to talk about, uh, you know, two energy ideas. It's a big energy It's an energy-oriented chemicals. And uh, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's late. Cold. Uh, we're doing the show Thursday night. Um, we're both really sleepy. We've been traveling. A lot of logistic issues. I don't need to go into all of it. But if I doze, Vern, just wake me. I'll be back at the back half of the show with... I'm just going to uh, let that go. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Cabot Oil and Gas. It's a gas, uh, actually uh, a driller. Why don't you just tell us about we them just, later when we you just, talk well, about Well, I'm telling people now oh, what I'm going right. to do later okay. if they just want to skip your part. Mm -hmm. But um, in any case, Cabot Oil and Gas, they're a driller for gas. I own it. I just bought it a few weeks ago. International Flavors and Fragrances, we've talked about before, but it's a neat little... Uh, company that creates the essence of products and then finally arch coal which has just a big wad of coal and i think that's valuable so but first with a lot of ado Vern value Vern value everybody <laughs> i like the dramatic pause thank you i almost slipped off i there, practiced though. that thank you uh the first stock i have this week is uh it probably a common name to uh, uh to a lot of investors zebra technologies and I don't remember what part of the energy patch they're listed in. What are they in? Wireless? Wireless Probably. networking. Yeah. Yeah. Is, they invented the uh, barcode or were in, in on it very early on. It's, it's That's fun. where the Zane Every zebra issue comes has from. a little surprise inside, right? This Does one has, it? oh, yeah, this is petroleum, Canadian energy, natural gas, oil and gas distribution, wireless networking. <laughs> well, maybe they're going alphabetical. Yeah, or anyway, something. here's your. Thank you. Page number's back. Anyway, Zebra Technology, symbol is Z-B-R-A, so I guess it is a NASDAQ stock, uh, recently just a little under $20, okay? So it makes the math easy uh, for Very most good. of us anyway. Thank yeah. you. Stock down a, a, around 40% from the high earlier this year, so that makes it, you know, a little worse than market. Uh, not much, though. And um, for those of you who uh, – and this company has several things that I like, uh, including a uh, leading market position, some proprietary technology, uh, in an area with uh, strong secular growth opportunities. So we'll talk about that in a minute. But uh, um, if you don't know the company, they make barcode labeling solutions – used in automatic identification and data collection systems. And uh, what I like is they're always, so, you know, barcodes and readers, it printers to make the labels with the barcodes and then readers to be able to read uh, them. You know, at one time that was proprietary about 30 years ago. So what do they got going on now? Well, That'd be my question. Just, just like every uh, growing and evolving technology, there are uh, commodity 
sections of the market, and new proprietary solutions are developed for niche applications that subsequently grow into larger mm-hmm. parts of the How overall market. How are their market. returns? Pretty good? Um, yeah, they're okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. How high single digit are they? Why don't you <laughs> why don't you just look it up and see uh, for yourself? Well, oh, the company's a, the, the company's value. a little overcapitalized. They're only returning 12 overcapitalized, thir- they're under earning. That's they're, what I'd say. They they return about 12-13% on total capital, uh, but with no debt, which is one of the things I like about this stock. Um, that's also the uh, ROE, the return on shareholders equity. You'd like to think that maybe with a little bit of leverage, they could find some uh, and fund some uh, interesting uh, parallel or uh, related growth opportunities, but maybe not. And I'm 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 happy with that in today's market. So no debt, as I mentioned. About Can they code anything else? I mean, they do the barcode. Are there other code opportunities for them? Maybe, yeah. but as you mentioned in the introduction to the show, I'm not a coding expert. Are you? No, but I can okay. speculate while I'm drinking here. I mean, certainly, you know. I think there are other uh, opportunities. Oh, there are me. all kinds of opportunities. Curious I'm going to talk about the latest example I came across in a minute. But um, with $130 million in cash, it's a couple dollars a share. Um, so it's really more like an $18 stock. And uh, uh, using Value Lines estimates for 2008, which basically means a trailing multiple, about nine times cash flow, because the stock has sold off so much. This is a stock that traditionally um, has gotten a, a much higher multiple. Um, and, well, yes, they're constantly coming up with new applications for this technology. The latest one that I came across was uh, as a means to be able to uh, um, to use lesser trained people in institutional kitchens by coding the recipe for a product on its package – that then would come into an institutional kitchen, the lightly trained um, oven operator would scan the barcode on the package, rip it open, and the oven would automatically set itself for program itself or whatever the cooking cycle was to produce perfect lasagna. Yeah, well, you can put a computer program into a code, and you can have a computer run it. I, I get that. Yeah. So, and um, there's they, also, okay. in, in terms of the profitability here. Um, I have a little bit of room to uh, react to short-term pressures created by events outside my control, like a, a collapsing economy. Um, I, it, their R&D spending is 6.5% of sales. Um, a company that's been doing really only this one thing for all these years, I, I would almost guarantee How that there's some paid, fat Bert, there. By selling equipment that puts codes on things or by selling readers? They or? sell printers to uh, print the code to go on whatever your product is, and they make um, um, the readers to uh, to read it. Do they own the barcode as a concept? Do no, they get paid no, on that? Own Does anybody barcode. own that now? We don't, I don't know. think so. We don't know. I don't think so. Okay. But there's there's room to do things. You know, it, it it's not really sexy, but. Uh, what kind of label you put something on might, it, depending on the application, might have a lot to do with whether it'll still be there three years later when that's the time you're going to need to read it or something, for example. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, no, there's that sounds uh, like the ink guy. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of I, you know, it's it's not what it was. Okay, this was a uh, this was a growth stock with uh, a little bit of volatility, but generally a pretty much straight upward trend till about 2004. Um, at that time, RFID started to come in, and I don't think these guys really have a play there. So you're 
asking all the right questions. I think barcoding is seen as a, especially because uh, um, uh, inked marking has become such a. Maybe it's like a, a utility. We should think of it that way. It's not going to really grow, but there's a giant, you know, entrenched uh, market that they'll keep serving for a long time. Well, and uh, revenue was seven hundred million in two thousand five, and eight hundred and sixty million mm-hmm. in two thousand seven. And Value Line mm-hmm. seemed mm-hmm. to think they'd do a billion in revenue in two thousand nine. Um, there's uh, some kind of a new uh, enterprise solutions group division that they've created. It's losing money, so there's something here that if you can just fix it a little bit, you'll be doing a lot better. Okay. Um, and they are global; uh, they're all over the world. So. Uh, Anyway, take a look at ZBRA. Chart looks very attractive to me. Um, eh. My next idea, look, I'm, I'm going to run out of time here. Yeah, well, you spent you know, a lot I'm of gonna, time on that one. Well, I don't know that's why. because I, my next idea won't take very long yeah. to explain. This one's called WGL Holdings, and I think it stands for Washington Gas and Light, uh, which is the natural gas distributor for Washington, D.C., in adjacent areas of Virginia and Maryland. So this is pretty much the gas provider to the U.S. government, or to at least everybody that works in it. Okay. Um, they have well, a, that's a growth industry. They have some non-regulated sure. subsidiary. I don't know. But it's all right there in the D.C. metro area. And um, they generate 2 to $2.5 billion in revenue. Yes, absolutely regulated. Um, uh, you know, not a lot of room here to uh, do much with it, I don't think. Uh, Profitability return on capital, they've been allowed to earn about 8%. Uh, there's a little bit of leverage. Um, in this case, uh, uh, they cover interest almost six times with uh, a regulated return. So you really don't have much financial risk, even though there is some debt. Um, that, so with a little bit of debt, return on equity is 10 11%. They pay a 4.3% yield. And I'm telling you, this stock is all about, I, it's just capital preservation. This chart is amazing. The stock has basically gone almost straight sideways between $25 and $30 uh, since, uh, well, for 10 years. And now recently it's meant tremendous outperformance as the market has collapsed around it. But cash did as well as that. Um, right. So what, other than maybe they have a really attractive stock certificate or something that you can frame, but other than that, why in the world would you want to own that? Because it actually does grow a little bit, and I looks like I've got at least ten percent uh, upside to the top they have of my yield? yield. Yeah, they have four point three percent yield, right? Well, and um, Treasury gives gives you that. I don't know. Are you just gonna, you know, have a? Oh, I'm just questioning, you know, whether I that's got a, something in my nose. An idea that will work. That's all. Whatever. No, go ahead. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, listen, I'm sleepy. Just go ahead. <laughs> what, You've got another one? You're not acting sleepy. You're acting uh, cranky. I'm both. Uh, my third one is OM Group. This symbol is OMG. This chart looks like a roller coaster. Uh, this, uh, I don't think, I think I've heard of this company. Uh, they produce more than 400 metal-based specialty chemicals and powders, principally derived from cobalt, copper, and nickel. So they, they make specialty materials, I guess. And I, I think doing that from copper and nickel wouldn't be all that special. But uh, if you make things out of cobalt, of course, you're in charge of the color blue, I think. So there's got to be a return opportunity in uh, do they owning mention one the, of the primary uh, colors. Do, do they mention the, the chemical symbols of those elements? Uh, actually, they don't. But I think hmm. the one for, for cobalt is CO, perhaps. Perhaps. Um, 
I don't know, but uh, just look on the back of anything blue, I think. But in any event, the thing that caught my eye here is Value Line shows it as a 4.5 PE, 4.5, ladies and gentlemen, uh, with a stock price at 17 and a quarter. Uh, so I just checked, close today at 20. Somebody else saw some value here. Uh, but the stock traded at 66 uh, earlier this year. In fact, traded 60 or above as a high each of the last three years. Had a similar three-year period, 2001 and 02. Three years in between, um, didn't break $40. So it goes through some kind of cycle that must have to do with uh, uh, the supply-demand balance, I think, in cobalt. I think that's why I've heard of this company before. Um, that, uh, Fidelity owns 15% of it. Barclays, almost 6 SAC, 8 according to the latest uh, so uh, it must be a well-understood story. Uh, the stock uh, Vern, down. Can at, I just interject? Yeah, something? with what? Uh, well, cobalt is a brittle, hard transition metal yep. with magnetic properties similar to those of iron, and it's present in meteorites. Just wanted to add. Wow! That. So they catch meteorites and somehow and grind CO. them up. And I'm just I'm live CO. here on the internet. Which well, they mention uh, that it, it's us. used in alloys. I think uh, there might be some. Uh, I think aircraft may be an application for the material. But as I look back at the history here, Value Line's got the financial history back to 93. And except for one year, cash flow per share has always been at least a dollar, a uh, dollar and a quarter, actually. And in almost every year, at least two and a half dollars a share. Um, there's no debt. Or virtually no debt at this company. Twenty-six million the end of September. They had one hundred forty-five million of cash on the balance sheet, ladies and gentlemen. So more than a hundred million net cash works out to about four dollars a share. So not really a twenty-dollar stock in terms of value. More like sixteen dollars uh, a share of equity because no debt. And um, you know, if I look at with the exception of two thousand three, when there must have been uh, something happened, and it really looks like it must have been something strategic. Uh, because the stock went from 74 to 4, and volume went crazy. So uh, it's not a split, but um, I have an idea maybe something was hived off, perhaps. Um, anyway, perhaps they, had one year, they had one year with no cash flow. Every other year they do very well. So I, I don't know what the multiple is going to be next year. Maybe these numbers are too high, and it's not really trading at two times cash flow. But it looks like the range is 2.5 to... I don't know, 12 or 14 maybe. This is when you got to just look it up yourself. It, look well, at the 10Q, see what's going on. You, can, you get annual numbers, you can't. But I, I, I think maybe if, it, if there in. is a three- or four-year horizon here, though, you might be looking at this might be one of those kinds of stocks where you should expect to quadruple your money what? after making nothing for three or four well, years. If then you do that, it's a good return. How? Sure. Right. And and it works out to a phenomenal uh, adjusted return overall. So great. Looks like great. I've used up my time. In any event, this one looks uh, very very cheap with a longer term view. OM Group, OMG, and uh, I'm going to turn it over now to my uh, trusty sidekick. Sidekick, I'm adding that out. If anything, you're my sidekick. You know, you know you're what I'm my saying? sidekick. Yeah, I well, let off tonight. Mm -hmm. Most people are gone now. I'm they don't even they didn't completely. even know you were going to be on the show. All right, just, well. Just Vern and his uh, We're now going to be at the, uh, the value-added part of the show. Um, this is Val Hughes, uh, and I'm going to get into three great value ideas like I do every week, day in, day out, night, day, rain, snow. I'm here. Three 
value ideas. And you know what? I go in page number order. That's right. Just, uh, you know, for your convenience. First up this week, and it was mostly an energy issue, uh, so I did uh, two energies, and they're cheap. Oil, it's down, you know, uh, a lot, and people are fearful that, uh, I mean, it's the opposite end of the spectrum from just six months ago. So that's when you have to question the efficient market theory. There's a lot of fear and greed out there, and right now there's a lot of fear, and there's fear in the oil patch, so it's a good time to be wading in. Uh, page 428, Cabot Oil and Gas, ticker COG. I just bought this myself a couple of weeks ago. It was at $73 at one point uh, just this summer, and uh, now it's 26 okay? What do they do? They explore for, and uh, produce and market natural gas and a little bit of crude oil. Uh, their core production is out of Appalachia, where I understand there's still a lot of natural gas. And uh, let's see, and the Gulf Coast, which, uh, you know, increasingly uh, you're going to have to go deeper and you're going to have to go for gas because a lot of the oil has been taken. Now, Value Line gives you a total uh, gas number here. And um, let's see if this means anything to anyone, but it's good to look at it and do the math. They have proved reserves of 1.5, wait a minute, 1,560 billion cubic feet of natural gas. Okay, now you got to do some math on that, and then you got to figure out what it's worth per cubic foot of natural gas. And I admit I'm not doing all that math for you right now, but I can tell you the ratio. It's 5.6 thousand cubic feet of gas is equal to one barrel of oil. So, I don't know. If I divide this by 5.6, what am I going to get? Around 300 billion? So, then I uh, divide that by 1,000. <laughs> What's that going to give me? Help me out. Huh? <laughs> I'm sorry, did you speak Anyway, to me? this has a lot of gas reserves, and if you do yeah. the math, it's you may be It's not the only thing to... that has a lot of gas yeah. reserves. Well, listen, let's keep the show uh, a family show. It is a family um, show. Just on the gas value alone, which um, I think you know, you have to do the calculation, 5.6 uh, MCFs per barrel of oil. A barrel of oil in the ground, you know, maybe it's worth $30, $20, $30. In the, the ground? Yeah. In the, well, you well, right have now, it's only worth cost. 40 right, when you sell it to somebody. Right. That's why you pay less when it's in the ground, because it costs you money to get it out. And then you got to sell it. I don't it. think you're leaving enough margin yeah. to okay. do that, is okay, my point. Okay, Mr. Oil and Gas Expert. All right. Uh, what am I? What do I like about this? Well, first, it's down about eighty percent. Cash flow projected at four bucks a share. That's five times. Okay, and earnings. The last you got to take an average here over the last five years. It's probably averaging a buck eighty earnings per share. Again, the stock at twenty six. That's twelve th times. Um, we are, in fact, I think, going to be moving off foreign oil. There's a big political will to do that. So my theme here is really less oil is going to be used. Gas is going to be gaining share. Uh, they're looking for it and producing it. And gas right now sells cheaper than oil and energy equivalents. And the reason is it's hard to get around. You know, there's not enough pipelines to everywhere, and it's expensive to tr truck or train gas around. So we are going to need more pipelines over time, but that's just going to be part of our big national, you know, effort to get off foreign oil. Gas is going to be one of the uh, ways to do that. So I like this thing a lot uh, right in here. Cabot Oil and Gas, 
uh, you know, 10 times some kind of earnings power. On an enterprise value to EBIT basis, right now, the market cap is uh, $2.7 billion. They've got $800 million in debt. That gives me three, and very little cash. $3.5 billion in enterprise value and roughly $450 million in operating income. So that ratio is about nine times. If I do the inverse, one over nine, it's 11% cash on cash return. Earnings will grow 11%. So again, rule of thumb, uh, cash return plus growth, there's your return, low 20s. And in an environment where the 10-year Treasury earns you four, that's a pretty good return for something I think you can count on, demand for natural gas. Uh, page 428, Cabot Oil. Okay, next up, I've got one I've uh, talked about before, International Flavors and Fragrances, ticker IFF, uh, page 471. What do these guys do? They are a leading manufacturer of flavor and fragrances, and my theme on this is... Oh, the, that was helpful. Because it's you didn't know it from the name, you mean? That's right, yeah. yeah. They, it's so obscure. Um, my theme on this, and I have talked about this before, so I apologize for bringing it up again if you heard the old... Oh, don't show. worry, I, I think I did it last time. Did you? Okay. Yeah. I owned this really 20 years ago, and uh, the interesting thing right now is it's back to those old prices, basically. The stock is down to $29.00. It traded at 55 just a year ago, and really nothing's gone wrong here. These guys provide the flavors that drive the essence of what you think of as a product's taste. So when you're buying some product to eat at a major chain, including McDonald's or Applebee's or California Pizza Kitchen or wherever the heck it is, part of what you're tasting is a product by international flavors and fragrances. It's part of the essence of what well, they for, do. For anybody who's listening who uh, is a fan of National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, they'll remember that Clark Griswold worked at a company where they uh, made coatings for, um, I believe, cereal or something like that. And it was a source of uh, you know some humor in a couple of scenes. It really, he was working for IFF. Okay. You know, you know, I don't remember that. I mean, this is where the sour cream uh, taste for the potato well, chip the comes smells, from, right? And yeah, of course. And then the other half of their business is doing the same thing, but for perfumes. Now, when you get into tough times, it's interesting. Their two businesses diverge because it's harder to sell luxury products, and even the rich are under pressure. But it's easy still to sell food because people have to eat; they don't have to smell good. I guess so. You save money. And uh, and so what happens is uh, on the high end, you get more introductions because hits make enormous amounts of money. Um, and trying new things, you know, you just you make a bunch of bottles, you can reuse them, whatever. The guy who keeps getting paid a bunch of times is IFF because they keep trying new things to look for hits on the uh, fragrance side. And I think that's an element of what you'll see over the next few years. On the food side, if everybody's trading down in terms of what they're willing to pay for food, uh, because, uh, you know, raw materials are going up, grains are going up, what have you, then, you know, this becomes a teeny part of the total cost but can drive, you know, decent flavor in something that really maybe on its own wouldn't taste that good. And they probably are 5% or less of the total cost of a product, but I'm going to make the case that they might account for 30% of the experience of the product. So, so it's a, a little bit like alchemy. They turn lead into gold, yeah, right? Yeah, I think so. You can see that they've got something going on in their operating margin. They earn 20s consistently, and it's just rock solid other than the fact that it's been eroding by about 
20 basis points, <laughs> points a, year. a year. Well, it was 24 10 years. 10 years ago, and now it's 19. You know, I don't have any issue with that. That could be a mix issue toward one of the businesses or the other. Food may not pay as well as perfumes, and that's been the growing area. The return on capital always sits in the low teens, and I think it's partly driven by competition. There are a handful of other companies that do this, so you, you don't get total monopoly profits. But once you get a customer, you keep them for a long time. They lever that up, you know, reasonably well here. Uh, they've got, what, well, I can't quite read that, 60% debt to cap. Now, you've heard me say no debt, but in this case, I don't believe uh, their margins that. are so high and their business is so consistent that they have nine times coverage and they've never had a down sales year, really, or, you know, maybe one year. So they're, they're okay on that. They've got, uh, a, let's see, uh, $500 million in interest. I'm sorry, $32 million in long-term interest, and their operating margin is $400 million. So, you know, that looks pretty good. And when I look back over the last 20 years, uh, their operating earnings <laughs> have never 20? been. Or 10, I don't know how far this goes. <laughs> Uh, let's get that see. Their operating out. margin has never been below three hundred million, and their interest expense is thirty-two million. So you're pretty safe on that. They're putting up thirty percent returns on ca- on equity, and that's pretty damn good. Um, you know what do I like about it? I, I guess thought I, like I the, thought you already covered that. I didn't. Oh no, because the main thing that attracts me to any stock is going to be the valuation for a good franchise, a good brand, an enduring you know company. And this one is right now selling at six times gross cash flow, seven times free cash flow. They put no, up but those are those are old estimates before the well, depression. Yeah, but you'll have one bad year, whatever. You know, I'm not worried about that. If they don't earn these 09 estimates in 09, they'll earn it in 010. So as you were saying earlier, you can afford to wait a few years for a stock to double. It's still a great return. And in a value world, you know, you get a little bit of earnings growth. You can get 50% earnings growth over three years, and you can get a multiple, a PE multiple, multiple that goes from 9 to 14, and there's your double, and that's how you'll get some of these things. This one right now is selling cheaper than it usually does. It's at a price that it last was at in 2001. Five. Oh. So uh, I Sorry. like it. You know, it's, it's six times uh, gross cash flow, seven times free. I think I said Watch that. Watch your time. Uh, you've got an enterprise value to EBITDA here of about, uh, let's see, 500, you know, five times. That's a 20% return on cash, and then I've got 10% growth. So this thing might be a upper 20s type of grower or returner, IFF. And then finally, Arch Coal, ACI. I haven't left myself a lot of time, so let me give you the bottom line. Coal is gaining share. It's here. We own it. These guys have 6% of the capacity that's driving nation's electricity production. Um, electricity is gaining well, share. Coal is gaining share. Yes. You were, yes. No, I'm just okay. going to make the point it's going to become more and more difficult to permit new mines. Well, so yes, supply will yes, remain constrained yes, while demand yes, grows. Yes, yes, So they have a, a, a fixed resource that's gaining share. It's still the cheapest way to make electricity. So I don't think if we stay in a recession, we're going to go out and build a lot of high cost. With all the other costs that are going up. Yeah. So uh, what's the multiple here? Four times gross cash flow. It's about five times earnings. These could be peak numbers for a while, but we will get back to them. Uh, Value Line themselves says they're going to grow at 20% earnings a year. You know, that may be a little high. But I've got a multiple of five, six times the last three-year average earnings, and I like that. That's a 20% return, plus i got 20% earnings growth. 
you know, that's her, this could be a 30% returner. The stock's gone from 77 to 16 today, and uh, it's back to prices of four years ago. Coal's in the ascension. I like it. Arch Coal, ACI, page 512. Uh, my favorite this week is going to be uh, Arch Coal. OMG here. We'll see you next week, folks. Okay, thanks, everybody.